Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. To you, he, he came with his life, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience. And then what God wants to do is he wants to cultivate and develop that characteristic, his nature, his character in us, so that no matter what is going on around us, we still are a person of love or a person of joy, a person of patience or a person who is kind. Because what God is cultivating in us is his life in us so that we live in the good of who we are and what we have, not based on what the circumstances are. The world generally lives, as I've said, on, on what is going on around So a lot of the world says, how you treat me, I'm going to treat you. And if you give me a hard time, I'm going to give you a hard time. If you stuff me up, I'm going to stuff you up. Uh, And a lot of the world operates and lives in that way. Very much from outside in. Whereas God has called us to live from the inside out. No matter how people treat us, no matter what people say, our response is to be something of the nature and the characteristic of God. In one moment, it might need to, I'm just going to love this person. And how many of you know, sometimes you can't love with your own love. You need God's nature and character, his love in you to enable you to love in a way that you can't on your own. Same with joy. One of the things the world is, is really struggling with at the moment is joy or even to be happy in the face of everything. And one of the characteristics of joy that God works in us and then wants to flow through us connected with joy is hope. Because why do you have such a joy? Because I have a hope within me that is more than the moment, the circumstances and the statistics and everything else that's going on. I have a hope in me because I have the one who is hope on the inside of me. And biblical hope is not, I hope something comes my way or something good happens. But biblical hope is something certain on its way to me. So our hope in God means that we can be joyful and joy-filled because our lives are not determined by the circumstances around. Our lives are determined by who he is in us. His life, his nature and his character. And so this week's about, about others. Now, the nature of the way that Jesus lived his life was to serve others. Yeah. Firstly, he came to serve the Father, God the Father. God wanted, sent Jesus to do something very specific on earth, which is to be the saviour for mankind, which is what Christmas is all about, right? Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people think Christmas is about all sorts of things. But inherently, Christmas is about Christ mass a celebration of Christ. And God the Father sent Jesus the Son to be the saviour for mankind, to give us this hope, this joy, this life that God wants every person to live in the good of. And so when Jesus came, there was a declaration about his life in Luke 2, verses 8 to 11. We're not going to read all of that because of what we want to get through this morning. But there were shepherds out in the fields, angels appeared to them, And this is what they said because they were terrified in that moment because of what was actually taking place. They said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
that will bring great joy for all the people. So the angel's declaring something. This saviour that is born, this saviour that has come, he is good news. And this is going to mean great joy for every person. What were the angels talking about? The salvation of mankind. The one who is going to come to deal with everything that could separate mankind from God, people from God, us from God. That this is why this is good news. Because Jesus was going to take our place and take our punishment that we deserve. Jesus was going to come as the saviour, the good news of what he's going to do, bringing great joy. Because when you surrender your life to Jesus, something changes on the inside of you. And it not only is good news that you hear about, but the good news you respond to then transforms what is taking place on the inside of you. And suddenly this good news of great joy that it is for all people becomes a reality in your life. But Jesus came to to give. Then in, in a bit further on, a few verses later, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host. So firstly, an angel appeared to the shepherds. And then a few minutes later, the whole host of heaven, of heavenly angels appeared. Man, they must have freaked out even more. Praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. How many of you know you need peace before there can be joy? The peace that God brings is different than the world thinks peace is. A lot of peace in the world is just, let's get along, let's be alright, let's not, you know, as long as there's no war, as long as everything's okay, there's peace. But that doesn't mean there's peace in here. And God brings peace, the biblical word is shalom, and and it actually means um, total well-being. Spirit, soul, body, mind, emotions, will, total well-being, that there is no angst on the inside. There is no struggle on the inside. There is no issue on the inside. That peace that we're talking about here is a total well-being, nothing missing, nothing lacking. And that's God's heart and intention for every person, to live in that peace. Therefore, in that place of peace, there is the joy of his salvation, which is what this season is all about. And then in Hebrews 12, because this is just the the sort of preamble to the point of the message. So just hang on for a few minutes. (laughs) Hebrews 12, it's talking about a great cloud of witnesses that have already gone to heaven and uh, that have gone before us. And uh, it says here, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the author and the perfecter of faith. Listen to this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What an incredible statement. It says here, for the joy that was set before him. Jesus understood what he was about to go through on the cross. He also knew what he was going to go through in terms of him being whipped and beaten 
on the way to the cross. But it wasn't just the physical pain and punishment that he was going to go through. He was going to take on himself on the cross the full weight of sin. Everything that separated man from God, he was going to take on himself the full weight of punishment of sin. And he knew, and that's why when he was in the garden, he was praying, he sweated blood. Yet it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Wow. The disposition of Jesus' heart was, I've not come to be served, but to serve. I've not come to live a life that is for myself. I've come to live a life for those that are around me, for the benefit of others and everything that they are then going to receive in return from God. Jesus went through the cross, as we know, suffered everything on behalf of us. Three days later, he rose from the dead. So in his life and in his death, he came to serve. Why? So that we may receive the joy of his salvation. So Jesus came and lived for the benefit of others, for you and I, for others. Then what does he say to us? He says that once we have received this life, because before you know Jesus, you're pretty much living for yourself. Your life is very much centred around you. And that's why the Christian life goes against the tide, goes against the flow, if you like, of society, of culture. Because we're ingrained, especially in a Western culture, we're ingrained to put me, my I, right at the centre. And therefore, when, when we talk about living the Christian life, living this life of who God in us, serving others, loving others, being patient, kind, generous, patient, whatever it is, it's so contrary to the flow of, of, of life out there. The world says, see how high you can go, how high you can get, how successful we can be. Yet the gospel of the kingdom says, how low can you go? I mean, if Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, he cannot be matched. He's the creator of heaven and earth. Yet in Philippians 2, it says that he came to be served, that he humbled himself and became... Anybody know? Became nothing. He wasn't looking for natural success. He wasn't looking for natural fame and fortune. He wasn't looking for the accolades of people. What he wanted to do was, I'm here, Father, to serve you and you only. And so what does it say in Philippians chapter 2 here then? Because we're we're called to live a Christ-like life. We can't do that in our own strength. It's impossible. We can't do it. Try as hard as you can, you can't do it. That's why God puts his Holy Spirit in us. The spirit of love. The spirit of joy. The spirit of peace. The spirit of patience or kindness. 
uh, or generosity, whatever it is, it's God's life in us that enables us. So let's have a quick look at Philippians chapter 2, the first few verses in here. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? There's a question. Any encouragement? Okay, 30 seconds. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them one thing that you're encouraged in your life by belonging to Christ. On your marks, get set, go. Find someone. 30 seconds. Is there any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in his love? Just tell somebody right now one thing that you are encouraged by belonging to Christ. few murmurs out there. Any encouragement? Firstly, wow, thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you, God, you don't hold anything against me. Thank you, I'm loved. I mean, you're loved with an unfailing love. God is never, ever going to let you down. He can't. It's impossible. It goes against his nature and character. He is faithful. There's a little bit of encouragement, belonging in Christ. Any comfort in his love? Yeah, his love is unfailing failing. Then it says, any fellowship, here's a question again, is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit enables us to be in fellowship with Him, relationship with Him, but also with one another. Because this is leading somewhere in terms of what Paul's writing to Philippians. Are your hearts tender and compassionate. There's a question. What does it mean to have a tender heart? You know, in, in life, we need to have tough skin, but tender hearts. There's a lot going on in life. And, and we, need to be, we need to have tough skin in terms of not get blown around here by everything that's said and done and all of that. But in the midst of that, we want to have tender hearts. It says tender and compassionate. What does that mean? It means, why do we need a tender and compassionate heart? Firstly, we need a tender heart so that we don't get hard in our attitudes towards God and and others. But also, why is it that we need a tender and compassionate heart? Because people need compassion. The last thing people need is judgment, condemnation and criticism. So many people are struggling in and of themselves with what's going on in their life, their head, their heart. And the last thing they need is somebody to come along just pointing the finger, having a go, saying, this is wrong with you, that's wrong with you, look at this, you're an idiot, and all this sort of stuff. And the last thing the world needs is a bunch of believers, a church, or the church, standing on a soapbox saying, we're right, you're wrong, and pointing the finger. Jesus didn't turn up on a soapbox, pointing the finger, having a go at people. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't tell the truth because he is the truth and he spoke the truth, but he spoke it with, in love, with grace. Tender and compassionate. Then it says here, after these questions, so we're going to pray through these in a few minutes towards about people. Then make me truly happy. This is Paul saying, if you have all these things, if you're living in the good of all these things, then make me truly happy or may my joy be complete. 
in another translation, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. One of the reasons the church is not as effective in the world as God wants it to be is because there's just so many things going on in the church. When I say, I mean the church. And how can we be this effective witness if we are criticising one another, judging one another, falling out with each other, giving each other a hard time? If the church on another level isn't living in the way that God has called us to as a set-apart people. We know that one of the things that God is doing at this time, he wants to clean up the church. For us to be an effective witness to others, to the world. The world looks at the church, if if, if the world are even thinking about the church. But often when the world does look at the church or hears something the church has to say on the media, some people are saying... What, what's the difference between that and what the world is living? Yeah. And God is doing a clean-up work in the church because he's called us to be a people that agree wholeheartedly with one another. We love one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Yes, yes. I believe God wants to restore the authority of his word in the church, in our nation. Yes, yes. How many of you believe that? See, the Holy Spirit is only going to cooperate with the Word. The witness to the world, to others. The Holy Spirit doesn't work with our version of the Gospel. Well, let's kind of make it easy, but let's, you know, let's put it in a way that people like it. Jesus, that doesn't mean we make it hard, but the Gospel is the Gospel. The truth is the truth. And we need to let the gospel do the work in people's hearts and lives. But God wants us to be one, loving one another. What does that mean? We lay our lives down. We serve one another. How does that start? It might even start on a Sunday morning, for example, when we're together. And you don't just chat to your friends on a Sunday. But maybe you notice someone says, I've never met them before. Or I've not seen them here before or whatever. And the first thing you do is, I'm just going to go and say hi and have a chat and spend time with them. I mean, it's even that small as to where it might start. I'm going to look outside of my circle that I normally would go to, even in a place like this on a Sunday, and I'm going to go outside my circle and say, hey, how are you? I've never met you before. What's your name? Great to meet you. Uh, you know, are you local? La, la, la. And just begin to chat. Can I get you a coffee? Come and just begin to spend time with somebody. That, even in here, we be, we're thinking about others. Yeah. If you just go to your friendship group straight away, you're, we're more thinking about ourselves than someone else. That's That's just a little example. When we are out in our lives, God wants us to be looking beyond our circle in that sense. How today can I love someone? How today can I serve someone? How today, just when I go to Lidl or Sainsbury's or Tesco's or wherever you go, shopping, um, how can I be with somebody that works there? Can I acknowledge them? Can I thank them even? for what they're doing. It's just thinking beyond how can I somehow, even on a little thing, let alone share the gospel with someone uh, in terms of affecting their, their lives. Then it says this. If we're going to love each other, work together with one mind and one purpose for others that need Jesus. 
It says here, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Wow, we live in a world where the pressure to impress is huge, isn't it? What does that cause? So much insecurity, so much fear, people's lives driven. And we don't live a driven life as a believer. We're called to live in a place of rest. Rest in God. Not just from rest, but in rest. So that when we are going about our daily lives, we're living in a place of rest. Even in the workplace where there can be pressure to perform to this and that and the targets. Even in that, it's like, Father, I yield my life to you. The pressure, the circumstances. I've got to come up with this, that and the other. God, I I surrender to you. I need you to enable me to do what I do. Do you know what I mean? Live in a place of rest and pressure. With your kids, maybe there's just pressures at home and it's like, (laughs) my kids are off the charts or whatever. And that's where you have to say, Father, I can't do this without you. Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for enabling to love my kids, to serve my kids. Doesn't mean you're a doormat if you serve. To raise my kids, whatever the scenario here. Then it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Wow, that goes against the flow, doesn't it? The tide. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You know when you spend time reading the Word, do you ever stop and actually think, what does that actually mean? And actually, do, sometimes we probably only need to read a verse of the Bible and, and actually think about that rather than, well, I've read the whole chapter, brilliant, tick the box. But maybe one verse. How, many, how much did the Bible read today? Well, I only got through half a verse and it, was, it spoke to me so much about what's going on in me. I had to stop, think about it and like, wow, do I think of it myself more highly than others? I know none of you guys do that. You know, you're holy. But do I think of myself more highly and better than others? Wow. That's a question to have a think about. Mm. How do I think about the people who live next door to me? The person over the road that might be a little bit of a hassle. Or whatever it might be. And in those moments, it's like, Father, I ask you to forgive me for just having a bad attitude. Or for thinking of myself better than someone else. God, I want to humble myself before you because I want to serve and love others. Don't look out only for your, in, only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What does it mean to take an interest in others? It means to get into their world a little bit. Yeah. I'm interested in you. How do you tick? What's going on in your life? How are you? What's going on? Not how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Brilliant. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing cool too. You know, Man, that's about that deep, isn't it? But let's go a little bit beyond the surface. So how how are you doing? How's it going? This walk together. You see, however open you are, others will be open with you. You must also have the same attitude as Christ. There's a bunch of other verses that we haven't got time to go into. But it does say in verse 7 that Jesus took a humble position. He came to serve others. 
What does it, what does it mean to be humble? To be humble means that you, firstly, don't think of yourself better than other people. Secondly, these aren't in any particular order. Secondly, to be humble means I want to serve you. To be humble means, actually, I want to love you, I want to serve you, I want to honour you. We honour people by serving them, by wanting the best for them. We honour one another in that, in that way. Just to finish, just from a time point of view, and then we can, we can pray. There's two ways we can be joyful. Well, there's loads more, but there's two fundamental ways. John, one of Jesus' disciples here, in, in 3 John, a letter right towards the end of the New Testament. Very short. It's one chapter, this one. Short letter. He says this. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That, that is, that's mature Christianity right there. In terms of saying, it gives me great joy when I see others thriving as believers. When others are walking in the truth, that just brings so much joy because you're living in the good of all that you've been taught, living in the good of all you know. You're thriving in that. You're living faithfully in the truth. That brings me such joy. Now, there's a joy, you know, as parents, if you've got kids and your kids do stuff that you've been teaching them, you're like, oh, brilliant. And, and it doesn't just make you happy. There's a joy in there, right? If you're discipling somebody, invest in somebody's life and you see them living in the way that God wants you, that brings you joy. It's like, oh, it's so worth it. So worth it. That's brilliant. I love that. It doesn't just make you happy. There's a joy that gets released, right? And there's a joy that God wants to release in us towards others that comes, that happens when we invest in other people. When we invest in their lives, we get alongside them, we build them up, we encourage them, we help others to walk with God and get a hold of God and see victories in their lives, breakthroughs in their lives, things change in their lives. That brings a joy. That's what John is talking about here. Oh, there's such a joy in the, the, the development, the growth and what God is doing in others. In order for that to happen, then there's no competition. That's it. There's no competition. There's no sense of, oh, you know. And when people tell stories and testimonies, we want to go, oh, that's brilliant. I might not have seen that in my life, but brilliant. That is so good. Yeah. So good. The, 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 we're praying more and more for the churches in the town and the leaders getting together and praying together and some things that are going to be happening next year. There's stories happening in other churches and we're like, that is brilliant. Come on. Let's champion one another. And there's a load of stuff we're going to be doing next year and into 2024 as churches together across the town. And, and I've said to all the church leaders locally, I've said, hey guys, it doesn't matter how many people get saved, right? And all that get discipled. It's going to be amazing what God does as we work together more. But one of the things each of us need to get to a place in our heart, and I said, I've done this in my own heart before I can share this with you guys. Then all that God's going to do in 2023 in Horsham in the area and into 24, and all the people that are going to get saved come to know Jesus. If not one of them comes to my church and all of them go to your churches, I'm still going to rejoice just as much as if some of them come to my, 
you know, the church I lead. So it's like we, we want to rejoice in what God is doing. That's a very real thing in here. God move, God move in our church, but not another one. God move, God move, you know, or whatever. There's a joy. So there's a joy for believers that happens when you invest in others, okay? But then also there's another joy. And that's when we share our lives, share our faith and share Jesus with people that don't know him. There's a joy that you just won't experience unless you so give away what we have. Bless others, love others, treat others. There's something that goes on. You know, if you've led somebody to the Lord, if you've spent time with somebody, you pray with them, they've given their life to Jesus and everything. I don't know about you, but that is like, it's, oh, that's the best thing, isn't it? Three of you. That's the best thing, isn't it? When someone else gives their life to Jesus and they come into the joy, the peace, healing, forgiveness, whatever happens in their life, that is like, oh, that's the best thing. And when you see that one, you want to, you want to see that Again? Or not? And so, as we go into the new year, we're going to be looking in the first part of the year. Uh, how do we really share our lives? How do we share our faith, what we believe? And how do we really share Jesus? And we're going to really get down to the grassroots of that in our lives, in our everyday lives. Yeah, there might be more stuff that we do together, outreaching and, and all of that as, as a but something's going to be ignited in each of us in a new way to share our lives share our faith and share Jesus so maybe just begin to think about that as a little sentence now I know for some it freaks us out Whoa, go and talk about Jesus to someone um, some people are brilliant at doing that they meet somebody within five minutes they're talking about Jesus you know like, how do you manage that without putting them off you know or they run a mile or whatever but for most of us it just starts with sharing our life. Yeah. We've all got neighbours, friends, people we know that don't know the Lord. Just have them in your life. Yeah. Just start there. Friendships, it's called. Anybody seen The Chosen on... Do you know, all know what The Chosen is? The, yeah. That series that's been... It's on YouTube, I think. In one of the, the programmes, it says... One of the disciples, they were going in a particular town somewhere... And one of the disciples obviously had a friend in that town and, and he, he was trying to, he was thinking about asking Jesus, um, you know, I'd like to go and see my friend, but is he going to be all right with that? And he says to Jesus, look, I've got a friend in the town. Would it be all right if I go and see him? And Jesus' answer to him was, well, if you don't spend any time with friends, you won't have any. That's true. I was like, yeah, right, it's so obvious, right? And the person, this guy's friend, was somebody that obviously didn't, know Jesus. And he said, I just want to go and spend time with my friend. And he's like, great. And share your life, share your faith, share Jesus. Now, the reality of that in our lives, in doing anything, loving one another, serving each other, or people that don't know the Lord yet, people that are work colleagues, friends, neighbours, whoever, family members, in order to do, to live in that way, things are going to change in our time how we spend time with people. So in terms of the joy of what this Christmas season is all about, Jesus came to bring the joy of salvation, peace in people's lives. In order to, for that, for others, the O in the middle, for others, 
it, it's a very real thing that will affect our, each of our lives. Because sometimes we hear things and we go, oh, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Thank you, Jesus, when that's going to be happening. And, and, it, and it, can be, it can sound great and romantic up here. But yet, when the rubber hits the road, to share your life means, well, actually, I've got to invite people into my life. I need to invite people around my home or out for a coffee or whatever it is. And, and there's some stuff that, I, that God's been talking to me about that we're going to start with going in January. It's part of the prayer and fasting that we're going to be doing and everything. Things we're going to be sharing, real practical, step-by-step stuff that I believe God wants to help us with. Um, so that every one of us in 2023 sees at least one person around our lives come to know the Lord. Amen. At least. Amen. Anybody else excited about that? Yes. All right, so let's just stand for a minute, shall we? Let's stand and we're going to pray. In Luke 14, it's the end of a story where Jesus... Um, it's the story of, of going to a, a, a dinner and people sit in the VIP seats and then they have to be moved because there's a, somebody who's more important that turns up. And Jesus uses that as an analogy and um, about being humble and, and serving others. And, how the, and he says here in verse... 12, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, when you do something, don't just invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives and your rich neighbours, for they will only invite you back and that will be your only reward. Yeah. Instead, it says here, invite the poor, yeah. the crippled, yeah. the lame and the blind. Mm -hmm. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. That's right. That's right. The essence of the Christian life is summed up right there. Yep. To serve one another is not based on what you get back. Yep. To serve someone else is not based on what you're going to get back. Yep. To invite the poor, now that could be poor in literally poor, but also someone who doesn't know Jesus yep. is in poverty spiritually. Yep. When you know Jesus, you are living in the richness of who God is in your life. And he wants us to share the riches of who God is with people that don't know him. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. Now, that has to look like something, doesn't it? And, and I believe that in 2023, in terms of what I said, I know as a leadership going forward into next year, that God really wants to earth Let's just use it this phrase, earth the vision. Yeah. Earth what he's been saying to us in really real and practical ways, more than we already are. Yeah. It's not that we're not, but more than we are. And so we want to be ready for all that God's going God's to do. So let's just pray through a couple of things for a moment. Firstly, just thank the Lord that you're in Christ, if you know him today. All that he's done for you, that you're forgiven, you have the fullness of his life, you're living in the abundance of who he is. You have his joy, the comfort of his love, the strength of his love. Thank him that you have his Holy Spirit. Maybe 
this next part, hearts that are tender and compassionate. I don't know, maybe there's certain attitudes you have towards certain people. It's very easy at the moment to criticise the government, people that are making decisions and all of that. We're not here to criticise the government. The Bible says pray for your leaders, pray for them. They need all the prayer they can get. And pray for those around them that are believers who can come with wisdom, God's wisdom, into these situations. But it says here, have a tender heart. Maybe just take a moment, talk to the Lord. Not, not just think it in your mind, but put words to this and just say, Father, I want a tender heart. Invite him, Holy Spirit, would you tenderize my heart? And if there's any hardness in me towards people or a certain people group, or certain types of situations with people where you know I have a hardness of heart or somewhat of a bit in that, Holy Spirit, would you tenderize my heart? I ask you to forgive me in any way where there's a hardness towards anyone. I want a tender and compassionate heart. Holy Spirit, enable me to see people how you see them. Give me the eyes of your heart in situations so I don't react and get annoyed and angry and offended at someone somehow for some reason, but instead full of mercy, compassion and grace. Father, I want to be in agreement with those around me, those believers. You say we're called to live in agreement, one heart, one mind, loving one another, working together for your purpose. Father, I don't want to be a spoke in the wheel. I want to be one heart and one mind with those that are around me, with others in the body, as, a, as part of this church and congregation here in Horsham. Father, I want to be one heart, one mind. I don't want to be at odds with anybody for any reason. I don't want to be out of sorts, out of kilter. If you know you are with anybody in any way, you, you need to go and talk to them and ask them to forgive you or you need to reconcile wherever you've fallen out or something's not quite right or there's a misunderstanding have those conversations. It's so important that we're one heart and one mind together. Then it says here, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Just, if you know there's insecurities, because often that stuff comes out of insecurity. Yeah. And, and all this stuff is not just a quick prayer on a Sunday morning. There might be some stuff you need to go and be with, spend some time with the Lord and just say, God, I, wanna, I want you to work in my heart. I want you to do something over this, ne- this period of time and work this stuff in me, your nature, your character, in a fresh way. So that we're not self-centred in any way or here just to impress others. Wow. Father, I want to be secure in you. When your security is in who you are in Christ and how he sees you, you're secure in his love, how he sees you, there's no sense of having to impress someone else. Because there's a place of rest and ease in you. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Maybe just pray that one, about just that for a few moments. If you know... Sometimes you, you have a go about people, you're negative about someone or you just, oh, you know, whatever, or I'm right, you're wrong and all of that. Well, you might be right, but that doesn't mean you can have an attitude towards someone. 
Father, I don't want to think of myself better than anybody else. Father, I want to be humble. I want to serve. I want to love. I want to lift others. I want to take an interest in the other. I want to go beyond the surface. That might bring up some insecurities for people. <laughs> I want to go beyond the surface with people. Maybe, you go, maybe that's where you need to say, God, there's insecurities in my life. I'm afraid of what people think. I'm I'm, there's fear of man in me, afraid of what others think about me. God, I don't want to be afraid of other people and what they think. I want my security to be in you. I thank you that you love me with an unfailing love, a love that is secure. I thank you for a fresh revelation of that love so I can love others. I can be open with others in the way you want me to. And then I can take an interest in others and want the best for them because I'm secure in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And lastly, Jesus, would you take me on this journey to share my life, share my faith and share Jesus? I don't want to live in a bubble. I don't want to live just within a circle. I want to step outside that circle to reach into others' lives, to have friends and those that don't know you and invite them into my life. Because I want to share your life and the faith you've given me and who Jesus is with them. But it starts with just sharing life, friends, hanging out. And then it unfolds from there. And we're going to do loads of practical stuff in the new year about all this stuff, how we do it. But maybe just invite him. Holy Spirit, take me on a journey that I sh to share my life, share my faith, and share Jesus with others. Humbly, joyfully, in a place of security, knowing that you love me. And even if somebody does reject me, they're not just, they're actually rejecting you more than me. And because you still love them, I'm still going to love them. But more than that, thank you for those who are going to respond to you and give their lives to you in 2023. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there might be some of you here this morning that you don't know Jesus and you're like, I, I've first time I've ever been to church or you might have been many times to a church, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you're like, I've never heard about God's love being unfailing. I've never heard that actually Jesus died for me, that all the punishment that I deserve as a person before God, God didn't want to actually punish me. He wanted to rescue me, forgive me, save me out of being separated from God and bring me into a relationship with him. I never realised that's what God was like and that Jesus went to the cross on my behalf. He took all the punishment that I deserve on himself. I never really understood that or realised that. But something's happened in me this morning. It's like, wow, God, are you really like that? Is that what you've really done? Is that how you really look at me? You don't look at me to reject me. You actually look at me saying, this is what I've done for you because I want you to know me. I want to come and live in you. I want, you to have, I want to have relationship with you. Maybe there's some people here this morning or online and your heart is beating a bit faster. Something's going on on the inside of you. You're like, wow. I want to take a step towards Jesus today and literally just begin to move towards him. 
There's a phrase in the Bible that's called repent. The word repent really means to turn around. You're walking in one direction and repent means to turn around and go in completely the opposite direction. And maybe some of you here this morning or online are saying, I don't want to carry on living in the same way. I actually want to turn around towards God and say, God, if you really are what that bloke's been talking about this morning, if you really are like that, I want to know you. I don't fully understand everything and exactly everything he's talking about, but there's something in me that says, God, I want to take a first step towards you. And simply, this morning, you can talk to God. It's called praying. You can talk to him. Just literally say, God, I don't fully understand everything I've heard. But something in me is saying, you are real. And I want to turn around. And I don't want to carry on living the way I'm living. I want to turn around today and I want to turn towards you. I want to repent. And I realise I need to be forgiven for all the sin, all the stuff that I've done that has separated from you. And so I ask you to forgive me. Would you cleanse my heart and my life? And I want to turn towards you. And Jesus, I don't really fully understand, put it all in the right words and everything, but I want to give my life to you. And I want you to give your life to me. I want to start a relationship with you. And if that's you here today, I want to just pray for you. You might have been saying some of these words. You might have been thinking it in your mind, in your heart. But you might be just, that's where you're at this morning. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for anybody here this morning that is responding to you like that. I thank you you'd meet with them right at their point of need and their point of response this morning. I thank you, Jesus, you become real to them in this moment in a way they've never known you before. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. If that is you today, anybody here... I'd love to chat with you afterwards. If you've come with someone uh, that does know Jesus, then just come up here afterwards. love to chat with you. There's others that will be here. Chat to different ones of you. I'd love just to talk with you and uh, just help you with your next steps, what it means to follow Jesus or move forward from here in every way. Father, I just pray for everybody here this morning and online. Thank you that you continue to work in our hearts to love other people. I know that flows from a love, your love in us. But Father, let this Christmas season be a season where we love one another and we love others, that we are hope and joy to those around us during this season, especially with everything going on in very practical ways as well as spiritual. If we see a need, let's go and meet that need. And if that need is, you think, I haven't got the wherewithal, then let us know. Phone the office. Phone someone, you know, hey... I found out this going on. How can we help them? How can we help them? And then let's help people very, very practically. You know, often Jesus did something natural to serve someone before something supernatural happened. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise your awesome, mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Cool. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.